0: Oh, Bank of America, what are we going to do with you? You're in the right place, folks, because this is where the money is. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Kopenheffer, and this year is David Hansen. David, it is wonderful Monday mm-hmm. morning. I was down in Charlottesville for the first time over the weekend and I visited Monticello. And for the non-history buffs out there, Monticello, of course, is Thomas Jefferson's. It is a dessert. It's delicious. (laughs) No, it's Thomas Jefferson's uh, residence. It's a beautiful building. Pop quiz for you: How many square feet do you think? uh, How many square feet of living space do you think Monticello has? Putting you on the spot here. Uh, Living space. Living space, including including the downstairs quarters, the kitchen, that sort of thing. I'm gonna go with 45,000 square feet. Forty-five thousand. You're giving TJ a lot of credit. It's eleven thousand. Close. Well, wow. it's actually it's a, it's a pretty cool building. Thomas Jefferson was like a, I guess an amateur architect and he yes. designed the whole thing. Isn't it like circular or something? There's a dome on the top. Mm. The entire house is not circular. But there's a lot of octagon rooms. You really like the octagon shape. Big fan of UFC. It, it, he was. He was. He was an early he had he his own guy. octagon. He had in his there. own thing going on. All right. Let's get to the headlines before we go too far off the rails here. First headline of the day. Get ready for the summer. Bummer, uh, David. This is from CNN Money, and it's talking about the sell in May mm-hmm. and go away. I'm going to call it a saw. I'm not even going to call it a – it's a cliche. It's a saw. It's not a proverb. This is the idea. It's getting, we're getting close to May now, get, getting to the end of April. And traders – I'm not going to say investors, but I'm going to say traders have said year after year, you sell in May, you stay out of the market through the summer months, summer doldrums, and then you buy again in October because the months prior to May and the months after October are the ones that tend to do better in the stock market. Yep. I think we saw, if we can get that headline back up there for a second, we got a little graphic there, and May to October, you've got an average gain of 1.3%, where November to April, 7.1%. Since so this
1: 1949.
0: Is, so this is Yeah, this is obviously right, right? We should all be selling right now. You've got a better chart, though, right? I've got a better better chart. This one actually comes from uh, Alex DeMortier, one of our writers, back in 2012. And what he looked at was, here's what happens if you sell in May and buy back in October. 8.4% annual returns. This is going back to 1926, by the way. If you buy in May and sell in October, you get a 5.1% annual return. Obviously a lot worse. So that makes the case, right? But here's what happens if you buy and hold. Just buy, hold, don't bother with the selling. 10% average return. Including the dividends so, there, too, we should say. That includes dividends. So when we get into this, and, and that's actually a big deal. I'm glad you mentioned that, because over those, over those months, you've got a couple quarters there you're where not any you're not getting any dividends. So this is obviously a trader's thing. This isn't something that long-term investors should, should pay any mind to, this whole sell-in-may-and-go-away thing. Um, and hopefully, I don't know, maybe it'll come up again, but hopefully, I'm, I'm hoping this is the last time we have to talk about it.
1: If there's someone out there listening or watching that follows this doctrine, let us know.
0: You give it too much credit by a calling doctorate. it doctrine.
1: I'd love to hear their rationale. WTMI at fool.com. Second headline. This one's from Fortune. Warren Buffett. We took a stand on Coke's pay package. So Buffett getting, getting some flack on the Coke plant. We talked about it on the show. Was it you who I talked about it with? No, I don't think it was. It was oh, maybe somebody. it was. I, I, I forget things. So Shane Parrish wrote an article for, for us, for fool.com, that really broke that article, yeah. Broke down the the pay structure. How much could this actually end up costing shareholders? Just do the Coke executives really deserve all this money? When it came to actually voting, Buffett and Berkshire abstained from the vote. They had said, "We're not going to touch this," but they they didn't agree with it. Mm-hmm. Do you wish he would have stood up a little bit more? Do he's I, your boy. <laughs> he's my boy, and do I wish? I don't. I don't even know where to
0: go with that. I I think I, I think he should have. Buffett in the past has been very much against outrageous executive pay and so here's his opportunity to really step out and not just not just abstain but to, to say we are we are against this we, we will vote against this um, and, and he didn't do that and so I think it's kind of deserved that he's that he's catching some flack over it um, I, on the other hand I wonder what would have happened if, if Buffett had come out strongly against management, against the board at Coke, what would have happened to Coke stock? Yeah. And the the amount of Coke stock, that's the number two investment at Berkshire Hathaway. That's the number two stock holding at Berkshire Hathaway. So I think there's a little bit of a balance here. It's kind of like when people start talking about, oh, the, the Chinese own so much of the U.S. debt, and... What would happen if they started selling it? Well, it's kind of a, a catch-22 there, because if they started selling it, it hurts the value of what they own. I think if Buffett talks down Coke too much, that has the potential to hurt the value of what
1: he owns. And he has said before that he, doesn't, he never plans on selling a single share of Coke. So maybe it's like he has no choice but to kind of not speak up about this. There was, a, there was more questions in the interview, and you can find it on Fortune. They asked him again about QE, what he thought of it, mm-hmm. and he said the same thing as he did last year. It's an interesting movie, but I don't know how it's going to end. There you go. Well, Nobody in terms, knows.
0: in terms of classic Buffett, too, uh, one of the other questions they asked him he said, the New York Times said recently, based on a study, that you have lost your alpha. Do you remember the last place you saw it? And if I find it, can I keep it? And Buffett responded, lost my what? And he said, lost your alpha, your ability to outperform the market. Buffett said, Yeah. But I think some fellow wrote a response to that. It wasn't me. We'll find out. Exactly. So, not not necessarily happy about his response to Coke, but Buffett's still Buffett still got some good ones in there. All right, third email, or third headline, which came to us as an email. This is from SNL Financial, and the headline is "Banks Continue to Trim Branch Counts in Q1." David, this is this is something we've talked about a number of times here on the show. Is this idea that banks have continued to trim their branch networks? As customers continue to move online and and actually prefer to do a lot of their business online, uh, we saw one thing that was surprising, there are a few states where there are some net openings going on, Florida actually Mm -hmm. among them. Uh, But a lot of the Northeast, we're seeing a lot of net closures. Um, Bank of America, big net closer of of, of branches. PNC, one that you've talked about a number of times uh, on that list as well. Citigroup also on that list. Interestingly, JP Morgan and Capital One both on the list of banks who are still net Adding, openers of yeah. banks. Capital One may be not as surprising. JP Morgan, I think, a little bit more so.
1: I think JP Morgan's focusing on specific markets. I think Texas was one of the big markets where they were trying to push more into their branches there. Um, I think any cost savings with closing branches for the big guys, it's going to be marginal, right? I mean, even if they got rid of half of their branches, how much cost? I mean, it's going to take out significant costs, but as a percentage of the whole business, maybe not huge. Looking forward with smaller banks that that aren't getting rid of their branches, that just can't do it, they don't have the technology, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a bad thing for them. You can still be very successful even if you have an expensive branch network out there. If you still make good loans, you can still be a successful bank. So I think the branch closures are marginal for for everyone, I would think
0: is it as much just a cost thing or is it also I think of it also as an efficiency thing being able to more easily manage your sprawling empire if you're a Bank of America or you're even a PNC which is substantially smaller than Bank of America but still very large and PNC has talked a lot about uh, moving towards the technology so moving towards smarter for the branches that they do have smarter branches smarter ATMs using uh, technology to its advantage and I think that potentially makes it a lot more efficient yeah I agree All right, speaking of Bank of America, we're going to move on to the focus for today. This is technically a headline, but I think this this warrants a a bigger conversation here. We got news today from the Federal Reserve that Bank of America is going to have to suspend its capital plans that were just recently approved at the Comprehensive Capital Analysis and Review. Not so comprehensive, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. So the dividend increase, the big share buybacks that Bank of America announced – now put on hold because basically they, it sounds like they submitted uh, wrong data. Yeah. They, they, they used wrong data in their calculations for the CCAR um, of calculating regulatory capital, which is a big deal, and they submitted th- those wrong numbers to the Fed as well, so the Fed's numbers would also
1: be off. So we should give Bank of America a little bit of credit because in their press release <laughs> they, said, okay. they said, we found the error and we alerted the Fed about what the problem was. So it wasn't like the Fed noticed this and said, whoa, what are you guys trying to pull the wool over our eyes here? So, <laughs> What's the give, big idea? We should give them, I mean, what does it say? First of all, what does it say about the Fed's analysis of Bank of America's numbers that they just went through and nobody caught this? So take those with a grain of salt, perhaps. Um, but the details of it had to do with structured notes that the Bank, Bank of America acquired from Merrill Lynch during the, the acquisition back in 2009. And I went back into Merrill Lynch's annual report and see what, did they, what were they saying about their structured notes back then. They're based on fair value, and the way they get that fair value and market on their books is through some models. And they say these models incorporate observable, and in some instances unobservable inputs, including security prices, interest rate yield, uh, curves, option, volatility, currency, commodity, equity rates, and correlation between these inputs. So some unobservable things in there, basically just saying we weren't valuing these right, and we just realized it. Okay.
0: So, well, I, I, I like that you, that you assume that I'm talking down Bank of America here. I, to me, a, b- a big part of this is, is once again wondering what's going on at the Fed. A, mm-hmm. a little bit. A little bit in this, in this uh, CCAR process because you've got the Fed coming out and kind of out of the blue, at least if, if you're a Citigroup shareholder, and it seemed like the, the same is true if you were a Citigroup executive, out of the blue rejecting Citigroup CCAR plans. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, now you have you, you, they gave a, basically a clean bill of health to Bank of America and approved its capital plan. Now you have Bank of America coming back and it's like, well, our numbers were wrong. It's it's a complex issue. I mean, as you just as you just outlined there, it's a complex issue that caused the mistake. But a lot of this is complex issues. So you've got them saying Citigroup's process not good enough, Bank of America's is, and yet they got the numbers wrong. So. It does make me wonder a little bit about the stress tests from that perspective. It also makes me wonder, too, uh, about this whole process where I think that we want to make sure that the, the numbers in the capital are in the right place for these banks, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we also want to have the market accept the fact that the banks are healthier and in better condition today. And I think the stress tests and the, the new capital requirements are doing a good job on the former. On the latter, I think it's working against it. And the, the rejection of Citigroup, I think a primary example of that. And now and now this, which may or may not be a big issue mm-hmm. in terms of the actual numbers, it remains to be seen. But I don't think it'll – my guess is that it won't be a big change in the numbers but now we've got everybody, Bank of America was down, the stock 5%. was down 5% this morning. That's an $8 billion move in, in the, the value of the company. Um, so I don't, I don't know that it's, um, I think it's working against the, the idea that we need to, to regain confidence in the banking system.
1: I think the early estimates were that it's kind of tier one capital ratios would take a couple basis point hit. I mean, it's not going to be huge. It's significant when you're talking about the amount of capital that Bank of America actually has. Mm-hmm but the actual ratios aren't going to move that much. How much are we, if you don't see this as, as an issue and more as just a perception thing, are, do we kind of have blinders on and saying, because everyone's going to look at this and, and say, this is more evidence that big banks are black boxes and they don't even understand themselves. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Should we extrapolate that out to everybody? Or is this just a, just a one-off? I know we're probably going to be leaning towards the camp saying this is a one-off. It doesn't, it's not an example of everyone. But are we wrong? It's possible. Well, I, I, I wouldn't.
0: I, I, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to come up with these numbers. That doesn't. There are a lot of things that are difficult to do. It, it, it's difficult to build. In life. A, yeah, in life. I mean, it's difficult for Intel to take, a, to, to take its smallest chip and then make it even smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there's a lot of complexity that goes into that. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't do it. So, so I think there's, there, there's a difference between something being complex and being difficult to calculate, and something that you shouldn't do. I mean, if, if every time we ran into an issue where it's like, th- you know, this is really complex, if every time we ran into that as, as, a, as a nation, as an economy, and we said, ah, oh, you better not do it then, Right. I don't think that would work out well for us. Um, so I, th- I think there is some aspect of financial complexity that we need to shed light on, that we need to, to make simpler and easier to understand, but I think there is some aspect, too, that maybe there is some complexity that, that could be good. Okay. Could be.
1: We'll see. I, I just know that's going to be the new narrative for better or worse, is that there's oh, for evidence sure. that nobody can understand it. Not even the
0: guys inside. Not even the guys inside. All right. Uh, we, don't, we don't have an email today, but I will point out that we have an email address. It's mm-hmm. wtmi at fool.com. We love to get questions and comments at that email address. Uh, people can email us there. We do have a game today, though. It's Monday. It's a don't, good look one. In, don't look at the answers. We've uh, got stock quiz today. And, uh, and David, why don't you go ahead
1: and uh, try me first? All right. So I can blow you away, blow your mind. We'll see about that. All right. This company has 15 million users for its mobile app Bank of America, Starbucks, Snapchat, or D, Map My Run. I threw that one in there for you.
0: 15
1: million.
0: I'm going to go with Starbucks.
1: That is wrong. Ah. That is incorrect. Give, it, give me the... It's Bank of America. Bank of America's I that was 15 million. Starbucks around 5 million. Snapchat estimated over 30 million. So double Bank of America's mobile users there. Matt, my run, only like 5 million. Not a lot of runners out there. 5 million? Only 5 million. <laughs> only 5 million. <laughs> only 5 million people running. Um, so yeah, Bank of America's mobile app, 19% growth of users year over year. We talk about the capital, but I th- th- thought I'd throw in a little bit of...
0: Interesting trivia about (laughs) that. Interesting tidbits. All right, here's the question for you, David, and this is uh, special for today. B of A was previously down as having a 5.9% minimum Tier 1 common under the severely adverse scenario. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) In the the comprehensive capital capital analysis and review, uh, the CCAR. So, digest all that. Other than Zion's which failed the C Car, which was the next lowest bank in terms of all of that that I just said. So you're said. challenging
1: my six-week memory. I'm challenging your six-week memory. I believe it was M&T Bank. Is that right?
0: <coughs> what? You want to try again? I'll give you another. I didn't give you multiple choice, so I'll give you one more
1: chance. Ally. <coughs> No, Why not, third time's the charm? Third time's the charm. Uh, I don't know. You can just tell me. Morgan Stanley.
0: Morgan Stanley came in at 6.1%. That, of course, again, is after the capital plans. Uh, M&T Bank, you were close. m t Bank next with 6.2%. So it'll be interesting to see. And who is it? So Bank of America was second to last. Second to last. But before, and that was after they amended, because you remember they... Yeah came through and Goldman Sachs had to do the same thing right mm-hmm. but after but after their amendment I believe they were above both Morgan Stanley and M&T so uh, so it'll be interesting to see where Bank of America falls after this most recent adjustment very interesting finishing off as we always do in the Twitter sphere David what is the first tweet first tweet from Nick
1: Timoros do we have a first tweet we do first not we have a first tweet well I'll explain that. wait we got one tweet okay this is from Michael Gilpatrick. I don't know if you remember him. He's tweeted at us before. At Team of Financials, is it too late to get a free Fool coin? Hashtag way behind on my podcast. That's his infamous, or famous, not infamous, famous hashtag. Too late? Way behind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, now, now, I'm, now I'm remembering. Uh, I don't think it is too late. I think we still have some chocolate-flavored Fool coins floating lying, around. lying around the office. For, for those that missed the show, that was, that's a reference to our April 15th, po- or our a- April 1st podcast, yes. what am I saying? April 15th, the, the, uh, that's the real April Fool's on Tax Day. Our April Fool's podcast, when we had an all April Fool's podcast,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think that was my favorite WTMI episode it ever.
1: Uh, it was a good one. We, uh, it doesn't look like we have our tweets. We have technical difficulties, but I'll describe them for you. But,
0: go ahead. Go for Got them.
1: So the first one I had on there was, uh, oh, wait, we'll do this one. Jason Moser, our own Jason Moser, you can read this one.
0: At TMFJMO, he writes Don't think there's a more uninspiring stock out there today than Bank of America. Think about buying, do yourself a favor, and don't. And then he tags JMO, not BAC. a fan. Apparently not. Of BAC. Well, is it inspiring? Are you inspired? Is there anything that inspires you about Bank of America?
1: No, but that doesn't mean that, you know, bad investment.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that, I guess that's my feeling. There, there are a lot of uh, inspiring stocks out there. There's a lot of inspiring leaders out there. Um, and some of those are going to be good investments. As far as Bank of America, I don't find Brian Moynihan to be exceptionally inspiring or maybe even at all inspiring. There would be something
1: wrong with you if you did.
0: <laughs> would there?
1: Yeah. Is that, is that science? Yeah.
0: Um, and, and, and I don't find a lot of what Bank of America has been doing as – particularly. I don't think it would be right to call it inspiring, Hmm. but I think a lot of the moves they've been making have been good moves uh, in terms of recovering from being a disaster during the financial crisis. And for all of his uninspiringness, I think Brian Moynihan has proven a capable leader during this time.
1: There can be very good businesses that are uninspiring. We have part of our 12 Days days of Berkshire series. Mm -hmm. Today's article is Warren Buffett's five best businesses. So we had a writer that Jordan Wathin broke out within Berkshire Hathaway, the five best businesses, most of them very uninspiring. uninspiring. We got railroads. Uh-huh. We got energy company. We got insurance, Geico. It's not it's not very exciting. See's Candy kind of cool, but inspiring? You no. Know, quite reinsurance business. Woof. That's well. <laughs> very uninspiring. I don't know, reinsurance can be
0: What what would you call an inspiring company?
1: Twitter? I don't know. Facebook? Facebook has their vision to connect the whole world. That's Can't get much more expiring than that. Okay. Well, there you go. All
0: right. Well, that's the show for today. I'm Matt Copenheffer. This is David Hansen. You can find us on iTunes. You can also find us on Stitcher, right? Stitcher and Swell, uh, if you want to listen to us in non-video form and miss out on our lovely faces. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter, at TMF Financials. That's it for today. We will see you tomorrow.
1: People on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear.